Greetings and bonjour à tous. This is Gerd Leonhardt, futurist in Zurich, Switzerland, with a talk today on the future of education. Let's dive right in about what the future brings. Today we are in a world of crisis and hopefully wrapping up this year somewhat. But this crisis has also brought tremendous opportunity. It has brought a global reset about thinking about what we want and who we are. In a nutshell, you could say the good things got better, like technology, and the bad things got worse, like inequality, unreadiness, unfairness, the workplace scenarios, and so on. But we are clearly reorganizing how the world works. The idea of normal is kind of going away. Normal has lost its meaning. We're no longer in a normal world. And believe one thing, as we're rebuilding our work today, we're not going to go back to the old normal. We're not going back to a world of 2019, the pre-pandemic, where everything continues, our flying, our eating, our, our habits. Of course we're going to go to restaurants. Of course we're going to meet up in person, hopefully study in person. But the way that we think about things has changed. New paradigms are starting to shift. Uh, primarily in about what we do for work and what a just and uh, fair system looks like, what capitalism looks like, how we, should, how we should deal with climate change. And that's bringing up a lot of things, There's a, like a whole wave of changes coming towards us. So if you're going to school now and you're, you're thinking about studying, yeah, COVID-19 will eventually be less of a concern, eventually, hopefully, but climate change is the next big wave. I mean, COVID-19 is essentially a trial run for climate change, for action on climate change. And then there's going to be a new economic logic, thinking about how we can make a system that works for all of us, that is ready for the future. Right now, as we stand right now, we can safely say that capitalism as we know it is unfit for the future. It didn't provide all the things that we needed. We had to really step up and change a lot of things. The future of work and jobs is changing completely. I mean, think about this for a second. A computer can essentially fly an airplane, an AI can drive a car, uh, an AI can translate a, a piece of music in, into uh, other tempos, it can write a, a refrigerator manual. I mean, we're going to go to a future where education has to be completely different than today, where education is the consequence of the change in work changing completely. Right? A decade of dramatic change and transformation for industry, for society, for civil organizations, for politics, and of course for educational institutions. New opportunities, new challenges, I think it's a very exciting time. COVID has brought forth four big trends here, right? Big tech, clearly everything is about technology. Big health, 12 months to a vaccine. That is mind-boggling, right? The convergence of technology um, and biology and big gov and big state. The state is involved in everything now, so that is a different debate if that's always good or bad. But big green, fantastic opportunity, right? The shift to renewable energy, green everything, sustainability, that's a $20 trillion economic shift in the next decade. That is going to be providing lots of jobs and opportunities and of course ultimately relief, hopefully, from global warming in some way or the other. But huge shifts are coming up in work and jobs and how we have to get ready, how we have to study. The next 10 years will bring more change than the previous 100 years. All the things that you already know from the last decade are finally real. Right? Big data, cloud computing, the Internet of Things, and all the things that we're looking at uh, that are happening all now in a compound way, whether it's 3D printing, whether it's uh, the blockchain, whether it's you know virtuality, 
all coming at the same time. Check out these video clips in the background just to kind of show you what's happening, whether it's Microsoft Mesh for virtuality or Meet that's grown in the lab, right? or the, the, the uh, dancing robots, or how we're connecting with everybody. And of course, all of the things that are happening in transportation and agriculture. Yeah, it's basically all coming together, explosive progress and change of science and technology. Now in this future, we can count all of the trends coming together, a bunch of laws that you heard about, uh, showing us the exponential uh, combinatorial and, and really sort of convergent future, whether it's Moore's law, Keck's law, Metcalf's law, a Wright's law of production, and ultimately the law that really matters, right, is to look at the future in this way, not short term like this, where not much changes, but the explosive long-term view. So Keck, Moore, Metcalf, and Wright, how and what we learn must adapt. And colleges are scrambling to adapt to this because this future isn't going to be about roadways of learning or memorization. It's going to be about experiences, about transformation, about lifelong learning. And this is going to really matter when you think about your kids. Because when you look at exponential change, right, this is the best example I can think of. 30 linear steps take you from 30 meters, you know, basically down to the street or living room, depending how big your house is. 30 exponential steps. 26 trips around the world. That's where we are going right now. We're not going one, two, three, four, five. That was a long time ago. We're going 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256 in less than a decade. Think about that, 300x and 30 times up that, stay, up that place is 1 billion. Think about the kids and the education that they will need, our kids. Right? So the future is now happening, not, uh, not linearly, but gradually, then suddenly. It's called the Hemingway Principle, derived from a Hemingway novel. So basically, you don't see much, and then all of a sudden, it just explodes. So education needs to be future-focused. Needs to be ready for the future. Needs to get us ready, whether you're in high school or in a garden or college or university. You have to get ready for the future that doesn't exist. Not get ready for the past. Understanding the past, yes, understand the present, but ready for this exponential future. So there's a great college that I really uh, enjoy when I was doing the research, a site, a school for advanced technology that has exactly this motto, the future can't wait. That reminded me of William Gibson, who said, of course, another great Canadian, the future is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. We have to go where that future exists. We have to tap into what is happening because the other thing is that the future is not something that falls down on us. The future is something that we make, that we create every day. So when we go and educate ourselves for the future, we're creating our own future. Right? As we see the future, so we act. And as we act, so we become the self-fulfilling prophecy of the future. So when we go and study somewhere, we have to immerse ourselves in the future. We have to get ready for all that stuff that happens around us before it happens so that the new world and the new thinking can blossom. Very important point about education. Looking at the facts, you know, and 70% of the jobs in 2030 haven't even been invented yet, many people are saying. Well, who cares if it's 50 or 60 or 80, you know, it's going to be inventing new jobs. Look at the music industry. Right, digital amplifier, royalty miner, uh, data jockeys. I mean, this quote kind of says it all by Isaac Asimov, one of my favorite science fiction writers, and of course, Space Odyssey and so on. 
That's the trouble as people think about the education. It is for the young right? and people think of education as something they can finish. Well, that's not true. We never finish education. This is where we're going. We're going to go lifelong learning online, remotely or in person or any mixed mode. We're going to learn forever. And think about that difference right? as we're just saying we're going to teach our kids. No, no, we're going to teach ourselves. Uh, we're going to continue to learn because graduation, as Chantelian College says, is just the beginning. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, I mean, think about my path since graduation. I, yeah, I've learned and learned and learned and learned. And this is really what it matters. It's compound learning, as Michael D. Simmons says. You know, it's the knowledge put into work for you. Bill Gates calls, calls it the five-hour rule, five-hour of learning every week. I always say one hour a day. That's all I ask. And that builds up compound learning like compound interest that defines our future. So by 2030, an estimated 8 billion people will be hyper-connected, always on not 5G, like 10G. Right? And it'll be cheap and affordable and probably sustainable in some way or the other. Augmented virtual and mixed realities, that's, that is coming everywhere. And that's also a little bit troublesome when we think about, you know, do we ever get time to contemplate, to disconnect? Do we have a right to disconnect? I think we should. Right? But as Buckminster Fuller, really my favorite futurist designer, educator, uh, says, you know, basically what's happening that education will be number one amongst the world's great industries. And that is where we are going because it's going to mean everything, whether you call it training or educational or vocational or secondary, it's all going to be defining our societies and defining what our future is. And jobs are changing so much, it's quite clear that every job that can be digitized and automated, virtualized, will be. It's basically as computers are learning how to do our work, you know, through machine learning and deep learning. And the mega shifts are taking hold, as I call them. You can download this, by the way, at megashifts.digital. There's a whole chapter about this. Automation, robotization, screenification, um, cognification, machines are getting smart. I mean, that future, Albert Hubbard, uh, American writer, uh, describes very nicely by saying, one machine can do the work of 50 ordinary men. I'm sure he means women as well. No machine can do the work of one extraordinary woman, man. That is crucial, extraordinary. We have to become extraordinary through education, through learning, through training, through communication, right? By what we are. This is a personality question, of course, in the end, becoming extraordinary. Because many jobs will be done in a virtual way, in the cloud, remotely, whether it's using Microsoft Mesh or HoloLens or Oculus Rift. I mean, this is going to be as cheap as, as a cheap mobile phone. And going virtual with a mixed reality app will be as easy as doing WhatsApp or Viber or, or Signal phone calls today. Right? I mean, we're moving into a future where it's going to be a complete convergence of real life experiences and virtual experience. As you can see here in this chart, uh, it's way too expensive and too complicated now. But give it 10 years, it'll be as normal as using car navigation by speaking to it as you do today in so many cars already. So in this future, Machines become really powerful because of supercomputing, natural language processing, understanding what we say, deep learning, machine learning, all the things, and many of those are furthered, of course, also in Canada. Um, that will be pushing us towards a new 
place where machines will rival the logical capabilities of humans. And of course we have a lot more than logical capabilities, so that's not enough, but there's going to be a point where clearly that becomes a major trend, as Alvin Toffler says, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who can't read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn, because that is going to be tough for machines. The moral edge paradox, whatever is easy for a human is hard for a machine and vice versa. That's going to hold true for at least 20, 30 years until we get to AGI and the singularity, different topic. But unlearning, relearning and, and learning how to learn, that is going to be the key of education in the future. Because AI like this right, will be able to provide useful answers to any query or question. They can be a virtual professor. This is called GPT-3, it's a project by OpenAI that basically uh, responds to voice command, typed or spoken, where you can ask anything you want to get an answer or build an app or fill out a spreadsheet. This app is called Learn From Anyone. Uh, and you can watch this on YouTube, but you can ask questions of Elon Musk or Gandhi or Trudeau or any, any person that has a lot of data on the internet and the app will give you a pretty interesting answer. So whether that's learning or not, I don't know, but it's certainly a very useful research tool. Imagine if this happens in the near future. This is clearly kind of the convergence of humans and machines. It's the convergence of uh, HI and AI coming together. And I certainly don't wish uh, to merge with technology as a human myself, but these tools are going to be extremely powerful. Make me think about education. What will this mean for learning? Do I have to learn languages if the computer can just instantly translate for me? I believe so, but we're going to ask that question everywhere because by 2030, I believe the traditional way of learning, just in case, you know, storing, downloading information, will be replaced by learning just in time, on demand. Learning to learn, unlearning, relearning, and the importance of being the right person. Right? Character skills, personality skills, traits, right? They may very well rival the value of having the right degree. Maybe the right degree can be paired with being the right person. Obviously, that, that would be a nice way of looking at it. But famous Canadian Marshall McLuhan says, education must shift from instruction to discovery. Not just learning things by, by downloading, but by discovering, by experiencing them, by experiential logic. And this leads me to education's paradigm changes that are coming up by 2030. Um, basically what we're looking at right now is that routine is becoming something that machines can easily handle. Oxford report five years ago said that 60% of all jobs can be done by machines. I think it meant the task rather than the jobs itself. But clearly, you know, if this is how you work, right? if you work like a robot, a robot will take your job. But you'd be surprised, even call center or driving a truck or do, doing other jobs that seem very robotic and automated, they're not actually 100% robotic. It's the task that the robots take away, not so much the job. But data information, logic, explicit knowledge, you know, on that level of logical putting together instructional components, that's becoming abundant and machines will provide that. And what sets us apart from machines? Well, if you learn like a robot, downloading information for later right? and, and just finding patterns, zeros and ones, in a binary way, you'll probably never have a job to begin with. 
And when you think about our kids and what kind of college they should go to or where they should study, that is clearly a consideration. They should learn how to learn. They should learn for the future. Because I really believe that anything that can be digitized, virtualized, will be. This is research from the World Economic Forum from a couple of years ago already pointing out the growth of machine-based work. I don't believe, however, that machines are going to get smart and will become useless humans. I think what's going to happen is that we can move up the food chain to more useful work. But we have to get ready for it and we have to understand basically what's happening here is the end of the routine is not the end of human work, it's just the end of certain tasks and routines that we have coming. Um, and I think this is something we have to get ready for. How do we discover the things that machines can't do? We don't even know the jobs that are going to exist in 10 years. So, as machines become smart, not intelligent, just smart, and capable of handling our tasks and our routine commodity, donkey work as some people say, right? human-only attributes become really invaluable. And what are human-only attributes? Well, compassion, empathy, design, emotions, uh, creativity, negotiation, you know, all of those things that are hard for, your, for machines. Machine can be somewhat creative by simulating it, of course, right? But can it really be creative and can it be uh, human? Does it require consciousness or human agency to do a job? Well, many of our jobs do. Well, here's the bottom line that people from Picasso to Kevin Kelly have echoed. Machines are for answers. Humans are for questions. Let's go and study at a place where we can ask questions, right? where we can actually find out things that aren't written down as a formula, where we can move up the pyramid from the bottom of the sort of Maslow-like pyramid, intellectual knowledge and deeper knowledge, up towards tacit, implicit knowledge, understanding, wisdom and purpose. Of course, in the end, that's where most of our jobs will be in the future. Our ultimate job is going to be to be human. And our ultimate education will be to teach us to be more human and, and to nurture us to be more human as we're moving up this pyramid and creating a whole new way of looking at the world in a holistic way. And this is clearly also where sustainability comes in. We have to look at the world in a whole new way, and this has become clear in the COVID crisis. Sustainable is going to be the new profitable, and green is the new digital. And for that, we need to figure out our skills, personality, character, mindset, values, ethics, beliefs. They all belong together in education in the future. So, it's going to be about experiential learning. Whether you're doing it online or offline in real life or in what's called meat space or in virtual space. It's going to be combining all different feeds that we're going to see in the future and clearly move into this kind of experience economy that Pine and Gilmore talked about in 1998. Moving from providing commodities, goods and services to experiences. Educational institutes and educators and teachers must provide uniquely powerful experiences. That's what's all going to be about. You're going to go across the world for a unique experience or, of course, across the internet, right? transforming your life. And we have to transform students, learners, whether they're 18 or 48 or 88 for that matter, just like companies who use the experience economy like Spotify, Netflix, Airbnb and Tesla and so on are doing the same thing. That is basically what's happening moving towards the experience society. Some examples from Education 2030. We're going to see a seamless blend of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and HECI, what I call HECI, which is humanities, ethics, creativity, you know, the human part I'll talk about in a second, 
and flexible delivery. Real life and blended globally, instantly, cheaply, technology assisted programs using AI, using virtual reality in a careful and, and conscious kind of way. Lifelong learning to support all the work changes. Learning whether you're 8 or 18 or 48 or 88, right? Personalized offerings and fully customized programs on demand. That is, of course, doable digitally. That is a great benefit. Micro-credentials, like learning a small job and moving on to another one. And many new shapes of degrees and pervasive diversity. Whether it's indigenous or races or sex, whatever it's going to be, is going to be diverse because the world is becoming more diverse and we have to honor that in education as well. So when we look back to what happened last year, that the unthinkable became the new normal and it's taught us so many things, you know, remote work from home, school and work on the cloud, traveling virtually, all that stuff has already happened. But does that mean we're not going to do anything in real life yeah, in the meat space anymore? No. It just means that new possibilities have emerged. Right? And we need to be so careful also to get rid of the digital divide and provide those tools to anybody that wants to have them and not create a K-shaped recovery where the rich get, uh, get more rich quicker and everybody else kind of falls through the cracks. And the same goes for diversity. We have to make a conscious effort to put all that in there to make it possible for anyone to tap into that resource around the world. That's a key point. The other one is that I think some things can be learned really well on the screen. Another one's not at all. It's kind of like dating. You know, you can do dating on a screen, but in the end, you're going to meet up, right? You're not going to hug the person in the computer. Uh, so we're going to live in a world where it's about both of those things, the EQ and the IQ. It's going to be both, depending, of course, what your talents are, but the EQ, the emotional quotient, that is something that needs to grow and needs to be nurtured. And, needs to have a, a, a holistic approach. Right? Because as many psychologists like Kahneman and others like uh, Moshe Feldenkrais tell you, we think and we learn with the body, not just the brain. We are not just learning here. Right? And so we can't really separate that from the human experience. Uh, the same goes for what we study. We can't separate studying science from studying what I call hecky, humanity, ethics, creativity, imagination, intuition, consciousness. Right? That is something that should come together. We should have a holistic approach to education and everybody should learn components of each. Right? Uh, the world will, will not be uh, our, our oyster just because we have a degree in engineering. Well, for some people that may still be the case, but generally speaking, we're going to need a more complete education that goes much further. As the World Economic Forum has pointed out already five years ago, right, these are the things that we used to learn in 2015, and in 2020 is a whole different list. And again, this was five years ago. Right? Critical thinking, creativity, emotional intelligence, cognitive flexibility. Now here's an example from Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, speaking about very much the same thing at a recent graduation ceremony. I know the future can seem especially daunting. But believe me when I say you have everything you need, not only to achieve, succeed, and build, but to be happy. No one gets to choose the world into which they graduate. But you do get to choose the world that will be your legacy. I find it interesting to see that he talks about being happy, not just being successful and finding a way into the future. This is really what education needs to do. 
the movie Back to the Future must have, may have been a great movie, but really what we need to do now in terms of learning, we need to come back from the future. We need to understand what the future looks like and then come back to today to figure out what we need to do to find our way forward, to shape our future. Right? Coming back from the future or realizing the future and developing foresight, that's going to be part of everybody's job. And this is what I feel about Canada. I think Canada has found a place of making that part of life already in the multi-diversity and the programs that are happening around the world in this understanding of what education should be because education need to, needs to prepare us for the future, not for the past. We have to understand and study the past, of course. But really, when we get out, we're going to be ready for the future. When we study now, in three years, we have to face a future that is exponentially already two notches further down the road. Uh, we have to prepare ourselves for the future, look for a place where that is happening. I think Canada could be such a place. Canadians in the future are pretty well acquainted. Marshall McLuhan, of course, William Gibson, Keanu Reeves, Douglas Copeland, Naomi Klein, Cory Doctorow, and of course the famous Elon Musk. That is Canadian in the future. Add um, Marguerite Atwood to this, and of course Dr. Tomorrow, Frank Ogden, Alexander Graham Bell, Steve Mann, and Jeffrey Hinton in AI. Canadians in the future are kind of teaming up pretty well there. Let's think about what that means for education when you have institutions like these that are offering as a headline already that they are future-focused. Many people will be struggling with that, of course, and many countries are promising this. But I think this is an interesting angle. Canada can bring us the future, as you can see in these quotes from Canadian educators. David Bowie said, the future belongs to those that can hear it coming. I love that image with the ears, just that's such a perfect fit. And if you look at what's happening in Canada, whether it's about Saskatchewan Polytechnic or all of the other ones that you're seeing here, ready for what happens next, the better is coming new world, new thinking, and I would add to that new training, new education, new way to look at the future. So if you want to get ready for the future, think about studying in Canada. Thanks for tuning in.